0: Hello, kids, this is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday, we release these special episodes that we're calling Classic Risk Singles. Each of these episodes features just one story from our earlier years. If you're new to Risk, you should know that the podcast can be very uncensored. This week, a story that Paul F. Tompkins first shared on the podcast in December of 2011. Here's Paul now with a story we call, Who Talks Like That?
1: So I started doing stand-up comedy in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, which was a great and difficult place to start doing stand-up comedy. It was great because... It was great because it was difficult. Um, It made you a better comic because the audiences were very uh, tough. Uh, If they did not like something, they would be vocal about it. They would let you know. You really had to stay on your toes and everything. And I felt like the comedy that I was doing was very, very smart. And uh, like pearls before swines. uh, Swines with their thick Philadelphia accents. And so... Uh, I slaved away for a while doing the, uh, the clubs in Philadelphia and everything and, and so then when I moved to Los Angeles I fell in with this, uh, this different kind of scene this uh, alternative uh, comedy and this was the kind of stuff that I always thought uh, I was doing but I wasn't doing at all and so I, now I to, uh to do this kind of comedy this is like the kind of thing I was trying to get at And so uh, I was getting better and better at it And I started performing at this club called Largo Which was a music club um, Where all these hip musicians would play And they just started doing comedy nights there So... Now, at this place, I was becoming this superstar, right, where I was one of the cool kids, and uh, I was talked about as this, uh, uh, you know, one of the up-and-coming really uh, smart, cool, funny, hip comedians and everything, so I was getting this inflated sense of myself that finally uh, I've gotten to the place where... Uh, people understand me, and uh, I'm performing for crowds that deserve my comedy. That's how I looked at it. But I didn't realize I was in this kind of bubble, right? I had no idea. And so uh, at one point, a friend of mine, a musician friend of mine said, hey, my band is playing this gig on New Year's Eve. Would you like to open for us? Just do like 15 minutes in front of us, and it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be great to have you there. And I thought, well... I've been doing this long enough to know that usually, let me put it this way. This is a comedy show, right? And if I were to say to you now, hey, uh, I'm going to bring out a guy with a guitar and he's going to play a couple songs for you, you guys would be fine with it, right? But there's something about the idea of comedy before music that makes people lose their minds. Just, <laughs> for some reason, a music crowd they can't handle it it is the last thing they want to happen ladies and gentlemen please welcome uh, a comedian boo what is this happening i can't adjust my expectations from what i thought i was going to see even though this is a common thing and i've experienced it many times before boo! music only <laughs> <laughs> but I'd opened for this guy's band at Largo a number of times and the crowd, his crowd had embraced me and I thought, well, it's just like his crowd will go to a different venue. That's how it'll be. So it doesn't matter the building we're in. This crowd, they, it's, it's proven. It's proven. I've opened for his audience. They like me. This is going to be fine. So New Year's Eve, the world famous Whiskey-A-Go-Go. Um, I'm going to open for this band and um, <laughs> My friend said before the gig, said, "And uh, listen, we're gonna like really uh, dress up crazy. So if you want to put on like a crazy outfit or something, feel free." And I said, "Well, how crazy is crazy?" And he said, "Well, I'm gonna be wearing a spacesuit and angel wings." And I said, "Okay." So I had a sort of modified ringmaster's costume on with a top hat, right? So. I am. Uh, I am. I'm really excited for the show. This is going to be fantastic. I am going to. I'm going to. Uh, uh, I'm going <laughs> to have this wonderful New Year's Eve uh, doing what I love doing with friends. And how how fantastic is this going to be? So, the show starts. I am introduced. Right, a friend introduces me from an offstage mic, and the crowd goes crazy. Like they are just cheering. Just the concept of me, right? They have no idea who I am. They're going, hooray! And I think, this is going to be the best it's ever been. (laughs) I go out there, and I got my crazy outfit on, and I just have to do 15 minutes, and I start. And five minutes in, everybody is loving everything that I'm saying. They're laughing at stuff that's not even supposed to be funny. Just setups they are cheering for, and I think, this is how it is supposed to be. (laughs) (laughs) Then minute six... It is like someone has flipped a switch, right? And so these people, uh, uh, it was like their happy, welcoming, approving faces, like swiveled around <laughs> to the back of their heads, and then these horrible, mean, hateful faces locked into place.. Burn! you for five minutes! And that was it. I There was nothing I could do. I could not get them back at all. And I had been heckled before. I had had people not enjoy my set. In Philadelphia, where people throw batteries at their professional <laughs> sports teams. Never have I experienced anything like this. Like It is a wall of hate directed at me people are saying um boo they are saying you suck and they are saying get off the stage those three things like almost like in a round right like a a row 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 your boat of hatred (laughs) so this is all being hurled at me and i'm still doing my comedy still just standing there acting like it's going fine uh boo you suck get off the stage one guy uh, I guess he felt like uh, these three phrases were too confining for him, and he decided to go a little jazz with it. <laughs> he yells at me, You're a piece of shit! You're a piece of shit. A, a human being said that to me. Another human being. Now, keep bear in mind, I did not take a brief detour in my set and commit some genocide on the stage. <laughs> I was still just telling some jokes. You're a piece of shit! Now I did not. I did not win the crowd back to my side with my witty rejoinder, sir, if I didn't know any better, I'd swear you were trying to hurt my feelings. Who talks like that? 12 is when the first ice cube hit me. Came from somewhere to my left, clink, hits me in the chest, clank, falls on the stage, immediately begins melting under the hot lights. Seconds later, another ice cube hits me from the other side of the room. That means the second guy saw what the first guy did, and said, of course ice. holding a whole glass of it. I could have been throwing ice at this guy for minutes now. All told, I would say uh, about 10 ice cubes hit me. Probably about 10. I guess it was a small mercy that the idea came to these people so late. uh, And most people were drinking beer. So... I I, I... Made it all the way up to my 15 minutes, and I said, Thank you, good night, to a chorus of booze. Uh, I got on the stage, and I was a little shaken, and I had to, uh, I had to sit down for a second. I had, to just sit down and, uh, I had to sit down and collect myself, review what just happened. Uh, maybe I was not uh, bulletproof as I thought I was. I maybe had not, uh, not been uh, taking into account that uh, other places are full of horrible people. And- <laughs> that I maybe had some more work to do, more growth as an artist. (laughs) So as I'm contemplating these things, that's when people start coming up to console me. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) I thought you were funny. (laughs) Listen, don't quit. I never said I was gonna quit. You're starting to make me feel like maybe I should consider it. (laughs) If I was going to quit comedy, would I still be sitting here at the show? Well, I guess it's time for a career change. No reason I can't enjoy this band. (laughs) (laughs) Then people start coming up to me and saying, you know what? I really admire you. (laughs) Because you stuck to your guns. You could have got off at any time. But you stayed there and you did your time, and that is when I realized I could have got off at any time. So many times I could have gotten off the stage. No one would have blamed me at all. Why did I stand out there? I let people throw things at me. Any time I could have gotten off. When the first ice cube hit, absolutely nobody would have blamed me. I bet nobody would have batted an eye when the guy called me a piece of shit. Right? Like you heard what that guy said. My musician friend goes out there he says like these mildly amusing things (laughs) oh you're so funny finally somebody funny came and said stuff on this music show now my musician friend said this to me once I have many musician friends at some point or another they all say to me I could never do what you do and to them I always say You are goddamn right you could. not
0: It's hard. It's hard, you coward.
1: You stand up there hiding behind your songs. Everybody claps for songs. You have to, because it's polite. That's right, you couldn't do what I do. At the very least, guitars deflect ice. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much.